Good morning, everybody, and welcome to the Scott Stedman Podcast. Um, I am here today with on a special episode. We're going to be talking about uh, church hurt. I know for some of uh, you listeners, whether you are lay people or even pastors or church leaders, I know this episode's probably going to hit uh, close to home for some of you. Uh, but today, joining me, I actually have. Um, Micah Current with me. Uh, he has been on so many of the Scott Stedman uh, podcast episodes. I have now officially made him my co-host. So today's the day, Micah. How do you feel about that? I feel honored and privileged. Thank but you. I think you're forgetting somebody. I am. And we have one other guest. We also have uh, Jordan Halstead with us. Jordan Halstead is a youth pastor out in Oklahoma. And he is also the uh, lead podcaster and creator of Nerd Talk with Jordan Halstead, which is a podcast that both Micah and I frequent on. So if you are interested in hearing about all things nerd, video games, Marvel, DC, comics, everything that you can think of well, of nerddom and fandom, uh, Jordan's your guy. He is the host. And Jordan, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I've, I've actually listened to quite a few of your episodes and I was like, I'm waiting for the day that I'll finally have like that one topic. And you guys were like, hey, here's the one. I was like, oh, I'll be good with this one. I'm, I'm excited for this one. <laughs> All right. Not, not that cool. like the topic is like exciting, but it's one of those like I felt like I can pour into. And that was the thing I was trying to even remember. It's like, I think this is your first time on my podcast. Yeah, so. this is. All right. Awesome. Awesome. So, um, yeah. So now that we have introductions out of the way, I'm going to go ahead and take it and send everything over to Micah to kind of help lead this episode. He's the one who wrote the questions and I just got done doing a state youth convention. So I'm still uh, dragging uh, from just a week of prep, uh, just a week of final preparations and then the great weekend we had there, but I'm exhausted. So I'm going to kind of take a step back and let Micah take the lead. So Micah, go ahead and take it away. <laughs> Uh, yeah, for your listeners, uh, if Scott, if you're snoring, it's it's Scott snoring in the background because he spent the weekend with teenagers. They won't um, hear it. I'll, I'll I'll cut it out and post that it. <laughs> great. Um, so yeah, so welcome to the Scott Sedman um, podcast, and also for your listeners, uh, Scott dropped this bomb about five minutes ago, letting me know that I was gonna ask the questions. But yeah, uh, a couple of weeks ago, I really felt called to uh, write these questions. Um, we're calling this episode "The Heartache of Ministry," um, basically like. What do transitions look like in ministry, whether it's positive, whether it's negative, whether it's um, good, bad, you name it. Ministry is just a hard, hard thing to do career wise. And so I felt really compelled to write um, some questions up in reference to transitions in ministry and titled this uh, podcast, The Heartache of Ministry. And the cool thing about the, the two guys that are with me today is that the three of us over the last couple of years have had some transitions in ministry. And, mm -hmm. and some of them have been great. Some of them have been not great. Um, but also there have been some very fruitful seasons and I wanted to just spend the next hour to 90 minutes, just kind of like diving into what a transition of ministry looks like and uh, what two better guys to, <laughs> to kind of walk through this journey with me. Um, yeah. So I don't know, like we could start anywhere. Um, I made a list of questions, but maybe, uh, give a little bit of background of each of your transitions and um, just for clarity, don't, you know, we don't name churches or, or staff mm -hmm. people that oh, we've yeah. worked with, but like, just talk a little bit about your transitions, the season that you went through and the season that you're currently in and how God has kind of, um, you know, provided and blessed you through the season, even if it's good or bad. 
Um, we know that he works, you know, for the betterment of our experience and our calling. So Scott, we'll start with you. What do you think? Like what, talk a little bit about your transition and the yeah. season that you're, so you're in right now. It's, I, if I look back in my whole um, ministry career, it has been a lot of transitions. I mean, I transitioned from primarily doing camp ministry to doing a counseling ministry to doing um, interim work to doing to being a lead pastor at some churches to, you know, now I'm kind of, you know, I mean, even in even doing a podcast ministry now, which I mean, I've been doing You're in the middle years, of a transition and I'm in right the middle now. of the transition right yeah. now. So, I mean, I'm applying to churches. I'm interviewing for churches. I'm also kind of helping out churches in the area by doing some cons, uh, consultation work. Um, and then I also work at a bakery and in some ways I'm kind of even still doing ministry there by, um, you know, blessing people. And we, I mean, I work at a Christian company and everybody who works there at least is very, um, strong in their faith and they go to church and it's very fascinating, uh, just to see the culture, just almost like a kingdom culture in a regular place of business. Uh, so that's kind of been, so I say all that because even through those transitions, you know, I would say every single transition has been difficult. Um, leaving leaving the camp ministry, and again, that was my choice to leave because I felt God called me somewhere else. And but then since that was such a big part of my ministry, it was hard to say, "Hey, I'm no longer going to be doing this anymore." Um, and it's not like, but then there's other play, and I mean, it was like kind of like a good bad thing because it was a transition and it was me moving to kind of a, where I feel like God had called me to do more pastoral ministry. So all that was good, but it was still hard when you make such a big impact in people's lives for almost a decade in camp ministry, whether it's just um, seasonal or annual. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's interesting, I think. And then there's other places where, you know, the transition, it was brutal. It was like, uh, falling out of a boat in whitewater rapids and just banging up against the rocks and the waves as you're kind of going down river and hoping you don't get like sucked under the current. So, um, yeah. So that's kind of been my experience with transitions in ministry. Yeah. Um, I think for me, so, you know, not really, you know, sharing my entire story, but like, just, you know, I grew up in a pastor's home and Jordan, you grew up in a pastor's home. Um, just really not feeling the church in my young adult life. Like I wasn't mad at God. I wasn't mad at my parents. I was mad at kind of how the church as a whole acted. Um, and, and specifically in transitions into like what my dad was going through. And then I felt like a strong call to join and do worship ministry. And um, for the last 10 years, I've served as a worship pastor, creative arts pastor, social media pastor, you know, um, video producer, editor, all those things like, in larger churches and smaller churches alike. Um, specifically more recently, I've, um, it was crazy. Um, and I feel like this episode, we're going to get pretty vulnerable and really, you know, I, mm -hmm. I, I've been wanting to do this episode, but I've also been dreading it. Right. Because I knew how open we were going to be about some, some of the things that we've been through over the last couple of years. But like, I lost my full-time job in 2020. I was bivocational. Um, I was working super part-time at the church that I was working at as the worship and media pastor, um, production guy. And, uh, 
walked away from a ministry that I loved, found out that it was not super healthy because I was kind of blind to that because I had blinders on. And then I was offered a full-time ministry position at a large church that had six services every weekend. It was a multi-site campus. It was my dream job, right? It was in, in essence, my dream job. And seven months into my position there, I was, was released and um, I felt released by the Holy spirit, but I also was uh, just not a good fit for that position. And the staff knew that, and I knew that and had kind of had to part ways. And for the first time in my life, I didn't really have a job. And so it was kind of a scary moment, but in that same moment, I felt God kind of pivoting my call to um, transition into consulting and coaching and doing some interim work, similar to Scott, what you were talking about a little bit ago, but like just um, it became one of the most fruitful seasons of my life where I served as an interim worship pastor at a Baptist church in our community. And it was six months of just, I went in. I led the team with a devotional, you know, I served them communion and stuff during Easter. I led services every week and I was in and I was out. Like I didn't have the quote unquote red tape in ministry where you're, you know, accountable to a board or you, you know, you were part of the staff. I was literally the interim worship pastor and I walked in, did my job and I walked out and I got paid to do it, which was very, very cool because it was needed in my life at that moment. So yeah. And then, you know, ultimately I got hired back on, um, at Miami university where I was working before where I got let go in 2020. And since then we've been filling in and serving at various locations, still coaching and consulting, but yeah, it's, it's been one of the most fruitful seasons out of that heartache has been very rewarding. Like it's one of those, um, I didn't have a full-time job and I didn't have a paycheck, like a guaranteed paycheck every week, but I knew that God was going to provide, and one of my favorite scriptures during that time was in first Kings when Elijah goes to the widow and mm-hmm. the widow um, was like, I'm going to die because Israel's going through a famine. And there was literally this moment where she was questioning God. She was questioning Elijah, but Elijah's like, make me a meal and God will provide your every need. And at the end of that passage, it says they never ran out. Right. Mm-hmm. So I was just blown away in that season. So yeah, a lot of transitions in the last couple of years and I want to add to that before we get to Jordan. Like, I think it's incredible. Um, we're all three very, you know, at very different stages of life as far as age. And we're all three married. Some of us have kids. Some of us have, you know, don't have kids, different things like that. But like, I think it's interesting, generationally speaking, like our parents have been, past, uh, Scott, you're, is your dad a pastor too? No, my grandfather was a pastor, but okay. that's a so, that's a whole other story for yeah, yeah, yeah. Time. So no, no, no. So any what I'm getting at is that I think it's incredible that like our parents or grandparents for that matter stay in ministry assignments, ministry assignments a lot longer than we do or have, at least to this point, right? Like Jordan just made a transition. Scott, you were at your church in Virginia, what, six years? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. The longest tenure I have had at a church in 10 years has been four, four years. Every other one has been a year, two years max, but you know, um, so yeah, I just think it's incredible the, the, the difference in our parents' ability to stay places long-term versus ours. And, and my hope and prayer is that we can find somewhere where we can connect and plug in and get somewhere to be somewhere long-term, but yeah, it's incredible. So Jordan, tell us a little bit about like your transition and ministry experience over the past couple of years and just, yeah, like the heartache of that, the transitions, the the herd, et cetera. Uh, so yeah, part of my story is I went to Ohio Christian University. I 
was a part-time minister in the area. I, I got a job, uh, I think it was my junior year. I was serving at this small little church, no more than 30 people. And they were paying me part-time. I was getting my feet wet learning. And I had a conversation with that senior pastor. And I said, hey, you know, is this something that is even potentially a full-time job? I know that there's not a lot of people and I'm graduating. I just wanted to kind of know I'd been here a year and a half at that point. And, and I was like, I just had to have that hard conversation with them. And he said, you know, I, I don't want to tell you that it's a possibility when it's not, but I, I would love to keep you, but I know that that's not really an option either. I, I think you're going to do great. I, I love your personality. I love where you're at. And I still talk with him um, every now and then I'll, I'll check up on him, see how he's doing. Um, and so we, we, that was a little bit easier of a transition when we left that small church. And then we moved uh, closer to Katie's hometown and we, we, my wife. And, um, and so we, we moved in that area and served at a church for almost three and a half, four years. And the kind of the end of that scenario was uh, we were forced to sign an agreement that we don't even know why we were asked to leave. Uh, it's been a, it's been a little over a year and we still don't know all the pieces. Um, some of the things that, that were said were, you know, you guys just weren't the right fit. And I said, then that's fine. That's where God want, wants us to not be. That's, that's fine. If, if you don't think that's where we need to be. And then we've also heard that, well, it was because you said this word, or you said this, or you did this. And, um, and they were all jokes. Like one of the things I had, a, I had a sex talk with our students um, and we separated boys and girls. And, and a year after we left, uh, one of the board members stepped down and they said, yeah, the thing that they said was you said boner. And that was, and I was like, <laughs> in that same, that same conversation, I said the word pornography, like if boner is, is your issue, then that's not the issue. There, there's a hard issue. And so like, we kind of laugh at it now, but it was really, really hard for us because that was our first church. We'd been there three and a half years and uh, we, we fell in love with that church. That was where we were raising our son. That was where we had, we'd grown a youth program from when we started at the beginning with three kids to there were 23 kids actively involved. And we, that was our, that was our home. And so when we were asked to leave and, and had to sign this agreement that basically said, Jordan, you have to be at the church from nine to four. You have to, uh, mm. you have to ask every time we spend a penny, you have to ask every time that you want to blow your nose or use the bathroom. Like you have, they almost slapped a, an actual time clock on me. Yeah. Because they were like, you have to be there. And I was like, I'm spending more time outside of the building with these kids. Like my mentality with the church is it's not about a nine to five or a nine to four. In that case, it was when I can be a part of these kids lives, like outside of the building, trying to love on these kids. And that was just a leadership difference. And I mean, you know, each, each leader kind of sees it differently, but when we left, it was really, really hard. And, um, we were actually related to the senior pastor he married to the same family or into the same family that I did. And so I'd known this guy for uh, almost 10 years now. And when we left, even he kind of abandoned us. And so that, that I think made it even harder was because some of the conversations that, that preceded uh, everything. And then it just, no, nothing felt right about when we left and having time to kind of heal through some things and kind of work through some things and, and transitioning to Oklahoma, like, that was kind of hard uh, because for the longest time I was like, I'm going to be in uh, Ohio my whole life. Like, that's where I want to be. I love Ohio. I love the, the ministry. And, and, you know, ministry in Ohio is, is, is a lot of fun, but, but it's vastly different. 
it, it, it yeah, it's, it's vastly different. Um, my dad was in Ohio ministry and, and built this name and, and built like this, this credibility. And, um, some people liked him, some people didn't. And that's just kind of the way the cookie crumbles with some of that some days. And with, with the ways that people saw me, they were like, Oh, you're either, Oh, you're Jeremy's kid or, Oh, you're Jeremy's kid. And, and so I had to build my own name through that. And when we came out here, it was no longer, Oh, you're Jeremy's kid. It's, Oh, we knew your dad, but you know, we're excited to see what you're going to do. And, and I got ordained out here and there's been a lot of really good stuff that's happened out here. And so the transition's been, been fun. Um, but I'm having to unlearn a lot of things from what I had learned in Ohio. And, uh, I mean, it, it's been hard, but it's been worth it. And that's, that's one of those really cool things is just to see like where we're seeing some truth kind of starting to, to take place. And we're like, Oh, that's not how we understood it, but that's okay. Like we're excited. We're, we're here. We're happy. We're, we're loving where we're at. So. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't know, Scott, that could almost be a separate podcast. Being a pastor's <laughs> kid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Joke. Because like Jordan and I are pastor's sons and both of our uh, dads are pastors within the church of God. And we're, you know, I'm vastly different. I think that's the word for the day. Monday's word of the day. Vastly, um, vastly different. Um, I, for my dad, I'm vastly different, you know, as far as theology and the way I perceive worship, but, but all that to say, we're all, um, ordained in the church of God Anderson and just we're ordained pastors and, um, you know, those transitions are never easy. Um, and Scott, you and I talked a little bit a couple of weeks ago about, um, calling versus career Mm -hmm. in one of the episodes that we did. And, you know, I, uh, you know, was on a staff at a, at a a rather large church last year. And, you know, it wasn't the term pastor wasn't used very much, right. It was their director of worship or the director of children or the director of youth ministry or the director of student ministry or, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and if you look up, like, let's just say Crossroads Church in Cincinnati, which is one of the largest churches in the country, if you look at their website, and I pulled it up right now, and their their job postings, right, they have facility te- facilities team member, connections director, broadcast video technical director, part-time front of house engineer, part-time stage lighting director, all those to say, like, they're, there's not one job on that job site that says pastor. And so calling versus career you can make a career out of ministry and not be a pastor or a pastorate you know what i mean Mm -hmm. so um do you guys believe that it has to be pastor do you guys believe that it has to be that like is a calling necessarily a pastor position um and then like one of the other questions that i wrote down like if it is a calling does it change right like you could be I don't know, Scott, you could be the creative arts pastor at a church and then all of a sudden you feel God's calling you to be a lead pastor or Jordan, mm-hmm. you're a youth pastor and you feel called to be a young adults pastor or feel, you know, you know, in the directions of, you know, like a family life pastor, multiple generation, you know, multiple generations being, um, you know, leading multiple generations in a church versus just specifically student ministry, you know. Have you guys had that happen in your life? Do you believe that you can do both? Could it be a calling? Could it be a career? Could it be just one or the other? And what does that look like as far as shaping what you guys do in ministry? Like, Scott, what do you think of that? Like I, for example, um, I haven't always, I've, I thought for sure, like worship was going to be my thing forever. 
right? And like, I've done young adult ministry, I've done worth, uh, youth ministry, I've done worship ministry. And then like recently in the last couple of years, because of COVID and different, you know, things, I really have, you know, dove headfirst into the production side of things with uh, podcasting and video editing and producing. Like it, it's, it's changed vastly. And even coaching, like I'm uh, in the next couple of months, I'm going to be joining in with uh, Jeanette Flynn and leadership focus of the church of God, just coaching people, young pastors who are, are going through the ordination process. And I never dreamed that I would be doing that, but it's something different. So what, yeah. what are you guys' thoughts? Yeah. So I would say when it comes to calling versus career, I think there's almost a disconnect sometimes. Yeah. I think for people who are going into the ministry or people who are working in churches, like as a Sunday school teacher, uh, I think that there is a sense of calling um, to do that stuff because it's not just, you know, if, if being, if calling, if the calling of a pastor is just to go in and to preach Sunday morning, and then that's all you do. I mean, that's a pretty great gig. That's like basically what Billy Graham does, right. Or what he used to do, like travel around, speak. And that's, that was basically was his thing. Evangelism. Um, evangelism. Yeah. Just go around speaking where, when I think of a pastor, I think of someone who not only reads the scriptures, studies them and tries to communicate that to the church that he's serving, but then there's also pastoral care. There's meeting not only the needs of the congregation of church, but how do you meet the community needs? Is there needs within the community in which your church is located at that you and your people that you're serving can go out and help do? Um, so I think there's that as a calling. However, I think that in the same and I'm going to speak specifically within church culture. I think that there's also times where there's people within the church that are like lay people, congregants, maybe even some lay leaders who look at church as, and the pastor more as a CEO, um, looks at someone who is kind of this person that we hire in to help lead our company. And based on metrics and performance and and all these things you know and and do a performance review that they are going to either pass the test and we'll keep them on for another year or two or we're going to say hey there's some issues and you need to you need to change and i think sometimes the, where the disconnect comes from is basically you know, a pastor may go into a church thinking this is a calling. I feel called by God to be here, to serve these people, to love these people, and to do what God calls us to do within this season as this figure, as this leader in the church. And then I think there's other people on the other side of the camp who say, this is our figurehead. Yeah. This is the person that is going to be the face of our basically our church ministry. or our business or our ministry. And if the community in the congregation is not responding to this figurehead as we would like, then there's going to be some problems. And I think how the, when that happens, I think how the church responds to it or how leaders respond, either they're very blunt and saying, Hey, it's, we feel like it's just not working out. We think you're great, but we're going to have to ask you to, 
you know, to, you know, leave and kind of, you know, try to do it very respectfully, even though it's, that's a hard conversation to have, or they do where they make decisions and make, make decisions that make it very difficult. It's almost like they're kind of forcing you out, but not really because they're just trying to make things hard. So that way they don't have to have the blowback of saying, Oh, well, you didn't force them out. They actually said they're going to resign. But it's like, well, you kind of but they're putting made, all that but, pressure on you to do you're so. You're putting pressure and you're putting things in place that's making it really hard for a leader to stay there. So it's almost like they're quietly forcing you out. And you, I can remember, and, and just to share a quick story, I remember one of the churches I pastored at, uh, there was a family that left and I got like a very nasty email from someone. And basically they simply said, well, you, well, you don't see this as a calling. You see this as a job. And it's like, and, I, and, and my and kind of like my thought process is like, well, if I saw this as a job, then this would be probably the worst job I ever wanted to do because ministry is hard. I don't yep. think anybody would say, man, I really want to go to a church where I can communicate and show God's love to people who either A, are going to respond to it, and some people are going to absolutely hate it and make my life miserable, like, or make things in the church miserable. Like, no one says, man, that's a great career choice. Because, I mean, if this was a job, I mean, I'd be like, nope, I'm done after eight months. Because it's like, yeah, I don't like the culture here. It's very toxic. I'm going to go somewhere else. You know, I mean, I don't see the church as a McDonald's, you know. if I see the well, church as a loving community. Yeah. So, Well, and to be fair, like, too, you know, just like any interview process, whether it's a church job or secular job, like, it could look great on the outside. But once you get on the inside and realize how toxic it is, it may not be wise or healthy for you to stay long term anyway. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Right. And so, Scott, did you could you speak a little bit more into that? Like where you were talking about um, people giving you evaluations and things like that, because didn't that happen to you recently? Yeah. So, yeah. So, I mean, and there's a couple out of all the ministries I've been a part of. I don't think we've I've ever had any type of performance reviews. I mean, if anything, like if I was like even like in camp ministry, like if there was something that I was doing wrong or slacking. Usually the director would just pull me aside and would just say, hey, I'm seeing something. I'm noticing something. And, and you know, and, you know, and I'm like, oh, well, thank you. And it's like, you know, it was almost like, okay, well, thank you for bringing it to my attention. I will adjust and correct. So it was almost like there was a rebuke. I correct. And then we're good. Even in other churches, and I might have shared this story before where, you know, I preached a when I was bivocational, I preached a bad sermon <laughs> and um, had an elder kind of talk to me in private and right then and there, and it was fine. And then recently I was at a church where we didn't have a performance review. And then like, it was like all of a sudden, like I think probably two or three years into the ministry here, they decided to do a performance review and it was very strange because it was almost like I could go through the whole entire year doing ministry, thinking things are great. And then I sit down and there's this performance review and I look at it and sometimes I'd be like, I'd have to ask questions because I'm very confused. And I'm like, well, well, what's this? And I don't understand why I got this score on this. Can you please explain it to me? And then they couldn't explain it to me because it's like, oh yeah, well, there was something that happened back in like March. And then, there, and then my response was, well, wouldn't it be easier for me to 
have that brought to my attention back in March and, yeah. and not in January of next year. Cause how can I fix something or notice a blind spot that I have if it's being brought. And then even then you guys don't even very remember all the details because it's been eight or seven or eight months. So I'm, I'm kind of against performance reviews because a, I think it's more business culture than kingdom culture and B it's almost to the point where at the end of the day, it's always just judgment and looking down as far as, well, here's our assessment of you through the whole year, where if there were some blind spots where I think in a kingdom culture, it's more of if you see something in a brother or sister, that's when you go to them in private. That's like, hey, I just want to let you know I'm seeing this or, or I think you're starting to, you know, I think your attitude is becoming more rigid than loving. Is there, and not only like a judgment, but hey, what's going on? You don't seem like yourself. Let's talk about that. And I think when you approach it that way, that's what really causes healthy growth, not only within a church culture, but healthy church growth within your leaders and your elders and your staff. Well, those are all great points. And I think like too, that uh, it's almost like people are looking for that stuff, right? They're, you know, yes, there, there are times and seasons in our lives where we go through things that are hard and, Mm -hmm. you know, it could be financial things. It could be, you know, losing a parent or mm -hmm. losing, you know, a friend, you know, as pastors, we lose people in congregations due to health issues yeah. all the time. Right. Yeah. And so like, um, you could be going through a season of life where you're not super happy and things are going, but we're human. Right. And so there, there could be times where things are legitimately wrong. And Scott, that's a great point. Like why, why do people wait until it, you know, essentially boils over to, to have that conversation versus, you know, Hey, pull them aside. Just make sure you're doing okay. Just wanted to check in. Um, I know for me, like uh, one of my past, uh, pastorates early on, I was serving as an associate pastor. I did worship and I did young adults and um, was full-time there. And the pastor, the lead pastor had left to go to another church. I was there a year and a half and a year and a half to my ministry, the pastor had left. And uh, unfortunately, Shortly after that, the chairman of the board came into my office, like on Good Friday of all days, right? Wasn't so good for me, but he had basically a new contract and told me to sign it. And he wouldn't leave my office till I signed it, stating that if I was going to do A, B, C, D, and if I didn't do A, B, C, D in 60 days, that they were going to, um, you know, go another direction. So at the time, I was freshly engaged to my wife, who I'm married to now, and, uh, we're trying to figure out this life and moving and, and her coming here and, and, and all these things, right. All these moving parts. And I was essentially like pressed against the wall and basically going to lose my job if I didn't do what they said or exactly how they said it. And I felt like I was walking on eggshells and the church was already going through a transition because the lead pastor had left. Um, so it, it's one of those things where Scott, you, you talked about either just bowing out gracefully and just leaving. So it doesn't have to get ugly which is what I ultimately ultimately did because I just felt like God was releasing me from, from that because he didn't want me to go through what was yet to come. Because even if I would have stayed, I would have still had to go through the transition of ministry where they were in the process of hiring a new lead pastor. So it was just, those aren't ever easy either. So all that to say, it's uh, I think it's all about how you hold yourself and how the church holds itself. Um, and in a little bit, we'll talk a little bit about like staying longer than you should in the ministry position, but Jordan, like speak into that a little bit, like talk, talk to us about like, you know, those kind of things that we've been talking about with Scott. Well, 
you you'd asked the whole is ministry a calling or a career and as i was kind of working through this one i i think it's both yeah i think that ministry is it can be a career you can make it um, a career <laughs> yeah well it you had said like people come in for the money and i just kind of laughed because i was like that's not the position that like makes money like churches are it's not about money like we're we're if you're truly in it for the right reasons you're not in this for the money because there's not a lot of money always here yeah. um some churches are a little bit more blessed than others and and i'm in a situation where i'm, I'm very blessed right now but you know not every church is blessed not every church can afford sometimes you're bivocational sometimes that's like it's just not always about money that's not what like you guys have been saying, kingdom focused, not earthly focused here. And so um, I think that for calling, like I felt called at a very young age, uh, Scott, you and I, we went to the same camp growing up and Micah, you even were at this camp. But when Scott was on staff, I was, I was growing up and I remember watching Scott um, looking up to you and Ty and John and, and all these guys that uh, even Ryan Garns and um, who's been on former podcasts and stuff. Like I, I remember doing uh, ministry because I loved it. And then starting to see the I'm called to it. It wasn't just because this is something I love doing. This isn't just because, you know, I can get a, I can get a hundred dollars a week being a part-time uh, youth pastor at a, at a church. Um, it wasn't, it wasn't about the money. It was about the fact that God called me. And uh, I think that callings move like clearly I'm no longer in Ohio. Uh, I'm, I'm in Oklahoma. And, and I felt that, that calling that when we left Ohio and in our church in Ohio, um, that was really hard because like we were, we were kind of forced out, but it also came down to my decision. Do I stay and fight? Do I, do I try and stay uh, through this? Do I try and find a job and, and keep this? I mean, there, there were a lot of pieces to it, but I felt that the right move was to resign and that that was the right call. And, um, Cause it was either that or termination. <laughs> I'd rather take resignation. Um, and I, I, that, that was really hard, but, uh, ministry, I think, you know, ministry is this calling We're we're called and, and maybe there's a season where you just, you're transitioning and, and you need a little bit of space and you need to figure out, um, some things to heal and some things to how, how can I learn from this? My, my senior pastor, Steve out here, um, he's an amazing guy. And I, I remember some of the first conversations we had was, you know, you just, you got to look back and, and figure out what you can learn from the situation and how to move forward because you're called to something. And if you're called to it, just learn and keep moving forward. That's, that's all you can really do. Like you can't fix the past. You can't go back and, and redo life is life. You just keep moving forward. And, uh, he, he really instilled that in me. And, and I think that a calling is just that moving forward of, you know, whether I'm, I'm youth pastor for the time, if I'm senior pastor for a time, if, if I'm to be, at a church or to do consulting work or, or counseling or, or, you know, maybe I go to, to one of our local colleges and I go and teach, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of my friends who have been in ministry and I've seen them change and they're not running a church anymore. They're not even running a ministry in the same context of being like in a church. They're now doing camp ministry. Like I remember when uh, John Trussell went from like being a school teacher full-time. And, and then during the summer, he would be at camp to going and being a camp director full-time. And that, that was, that was a huge jump for them. And it was really cool to see some of that. And so I think the, the calling kind of changes um, their seasons to the calling. I don't think the calling ever like goes away though. I think that it changes like directions and, and, and locations and things like that, but it doesn't go away. But the career side to it, I think that there, there's two aspects that I, I want to hit on this. 
I think that career is some people are just like, I'm in it because this is like something that I know I can do for the church. Like where you're saying like, it's not a pastor position, but it's like the technology director or um, a kid's ministry director or things like that. There's people who I can, I can do that. I know I can fill this need. I I'm capable. I can do this. This is a career move, not a, I'm called to it. And I think that sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's extremely dangerous because they rely on themselves more than they rely on God. I think that when, when you start to look at it, like it's a career, you say, Hey, um, you know, I, I can do it. Uh, I don't know that I'm called to this, but I know that like, I, I remember being called to something. Uh, I remember being called straight to youth ministry in between eighth and ninth grade, 2008. I was, well, it was between seventh and eighth grade. Um, it was 2008 when I was called at summer camp. And I, I remember that. I remember God just laying it on my heart. And that next year I, I just talked with God and I was like, God, where am I going with this? And I remember having those conversations. And, um, but for people who, who get to that career point, like, you know, I don't mind it. it there's people who do things really well. Like there are some people who can do technology really, really well. And maybe it's not that they're the communications pastor, but maybe they are just the communications director. And they're just the, the guy who just runs in and just does tech. And some people see that as a ministry. And some people are like, you know, it's just a job. I can, I can do this. Like I'm, I'm gifted with technology. I know my tech, I, I can do it. And I think the other side of that though, is when the calling feels like a career and, and you guys have probably felt this before. Um, I remember when we left Ohio uh, that last month, I didn't feel like it was, was ministry. <laughs> um, that, that last month, I felt like I walked in almost every day about to be fired um, because there was hostility and, um, there was a lot of, a lot of hurt feelings. And, um, I struggled with that. I, I think that I felt like it was just a job I was going to, and I, I hated that. And I said, God, I, I don't understand. Um, and sometimes, sometimes that makes it all the worse is when you feel like your calling has become a career and it drains you. Well, so. and, and to be fair, right. Like if you know, and, and just to piggyback off of what you said, Jordan, like the, I've been in situations that are super toxic and unhealthy and I needed to walk away and I resigned and I knew that the transition was coming. But one of the most gratifying things, even in the lowest of lows for me is that when I know that I did the right thing and I left on the best terms possible, you know, that last Sunday that you're there, you know, you say your goodbyes, you hand the keys, your key five, your credit card, whatever it is to transition out. Like it's the most freeing and liberating thing. And you know, you've done the right thing. Well, would you guys like, would you guys agree with that? Scott, anybody? Like I just, you know, I, for me, like the last couple of ministry assignments that I've been in and I've known that God was in it and God was going to provide and bless and take care of us through those transitions, even the lowest of lows, the valleys that we were walking through the heartache, the, the relationships that we built, like we knew that God was still going to provide. We knew that God was still going to show up. We knew that God was still going to uh, bless us with friends and opportunities. But like I, there was a church, you know, that I was working at and I knew that I, I needed to go. And I literally handed my keys. They prayed for me and I walked out the door and I never, I felt the weight of the world lifted off of my shoulders. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it was a good thing. And, and it was just, it was solidifying the fact that God was saying, you're released. You need to go. Yeah. Well, absolutely. Mm-hmm. You mind if I play off that real quick? Absolutely. So like for, for me, when I left this church, um, the, the morning of, I actually, it was, I'm going to go to the, cause it was a Wednesday that we left and we weren't even allowed to say goodbye to the students. 
um it was it was a pretty hostile situation so kind of like that whole where you're like you know that last sunday and just kind of that freeingness like we didn't get all of those pieces but what was what was weird for me looking back on it i just kind of i'm like i swear that it was just kind of god just kind of letting me let some of this go um it's kind of embarrassing but i don't mind sharing this um the night before i was so filled with stress and like we went to bible study and um it's it's not related to the church and some friends and and my kid he was uh, a little over one um like one and two months something like that so like 14 months and he wouldn't leave my side and so that night i go to bed and i'm like i i'm stressed out of my mind and i woke up the next morning and i had i had actually wet the bed like i was i was mm. so stressed my body could not contain it anymore like mm. i i literally could not hold anything back i couldn't like i felt like i was going to vomit i felt like very sick to my stomach and i just couldn't hold anything in anymore and with that like having woken up soiled myself i was like are you kidding me like god like i i can't handle this anymore like i'm i'm going to have to resign soon and i went to the church and i was on the phone with my mom and um it was like 905, 908, something like that. I was supposed to be in the door at nine, but I was on the premises and nobody calls at nine. And, um, and I was sitting in my car and I'm like, mom, this is what happened. Like, I just don't think I can do this anymore. And I see these four cars parade into the parking lot. And like, I saw, I saw them coming down the road and I was like, Hey mom, I'm going to have to let you go. I'm, I think I'm going to get fired. And the conversation was, was really, really rough. And as soon as like they asked for the keys, and I gave them away, like I felt the weight of the world, it was gone. And I was mm. like, just playing into that. It was that whole, there was no more stress. I was calling uh, some of the families that that were at the church, I, uh, specifically uh, Gabe and Julie. I, I called them. I said, hey guys, I, I want you guys to know, like I was asked to leave. Uh, I've resigned. Things are, you know, it's just, it is what it is, but don't be strangers. Um, just know that I love you. I, I still care for you guys and, and your family. And I, I called a few people and uh, just let them know real quick. Hey, you know, we're not there anymore. You're going to hear Sunday, but we kept it pretty hushed. Um, we, we didn't make it some big, we, we didn't want to fight them. Um, it was not worth that fight for us. But I remember just having that, like you said, that, that weight, it just, it lifted. I, I wish we would have got to say goodbye to some of the students in person. Um, Cause that was really hard when I asked them, I said, are you guys going to tell them, should I come in tonight and tell them like, and they basically were like, no, we'll tell them like, you're, you're going to get all your stuff out right now. We actually have boxes with us to help you move out. And I said, well, I will call uh, my grandma and I'll call Katie and uh, the grandma just lives down the road. She'll get the truck. She'll get the big furniture that, that is mine from the office. And um, one guy tried to help me and I said, you've done enough. And, and like, you don't need to touch my stuff. I, I, you can sit there and watch, but there's not a lot of wiggle room. So I'm going to need you out of my way. So that way I can get, and, and as soon as I, I turned in the key, I was like, wait, the world's gone. Now the, the, the stress of trying to figure out when you're the only income <laughs> trying to figure that part out was a different story, but mm. um, yeah, that, that weight was gone. The, um, Jordan, when was that? 21? Yeah. February okay. 21. Yeah. So mine was a little bit, um, it was a little bit different, but like, uh, I was working, like I said, bivocational in 2020. I was working full-time at Miami. I lost my job. I was working part-time at the church. Like, and, and by part-time, I mean super part-time. Like, 
couple hundred dollars every couple of weeks, right? Like very, very, very part-time. So like I had lost my job, COVID happened. And when I lost my job at my secular job at Miami, they were like, you're welcome to apply for jobs. You're welcome to continue working here until your contract's up in June. Um, And (laughs) uh, COVID happened, right? And nobody in their wildest dreams would have imagined what was going to happen during COVID, right? And so one of the things at at Miami when I was working there and I was working through my contract, the plan was for me just to continue working, find another job while I was working so that I could just transition after my contract was up. Now, when they sent us home in March of 2020, there was a hiring freeze. Miami stopped hiring people. Like it was just like, I was stuck, literally stuck. And so I, the plan, Alicia and I prayed about it. And we were just like, you know, the thing is we're going to work through this contract. You're going to continue to get paid full time until June. God's going to provide. Everything's going to be okay. Now the church side of that was that I had worked through uh, I continued to work at this church. And, um, during that time I, you know, my contract ran out in the summer of 2020 and, uh, another church reached out to me about, they got my resume. They had heard about me. They had heard about like this, this amazing opportunity came about where, you know, I could have a full-time ministry, a full-time mm. job, basically my dream job. Right. And like the pastor caught wind of it. And he blew a gasket. He absolutely blew a gasket because even though I was part-time, I did a lot and had a lot invested in that ministry. And so basically he called an elder meeting and said, look, this guy's talking to another church. He's probably going to leave. What do we do? What are we going to do about it? And I was like, this is crazy for, for a part-time position. You're, you're calling an elder meeting and like, you're, you know, you're, you're just freaking out. And I'm like, this is not even necessary. It's not even a done deal. And so like, uh, he called an elder meeting and I walk into the church on Sunday morning and the first thing out of his mouth to me was, did you get the job? Mind you, I had not had an offer. I didn't have an official offer from this other church. And I just was like, what am I supposed to do now? People know about this other, you know, potential opportunity. And, you know, there's probably going to be a transition, but we don't know. You know, I, but, but again, I had never, uh, had to put my trust in God more in that moment because I walked into his office after church and I said, I can't do this anymore. And he's like, so are you resigning? And I was like, yes, I'm, I'm, I will give you two weeks right now. We're done. It's finished. Like Jesus said, it is finished. Like Mm -hmm. it was just, and for the next two weeks, you know, I was able to train other staff members on what I did and walk them through that stuff. But it was, it was like a, it was one of the most sobering moments because literally I had no offer. I had no other job. I had no other opportunity. I had been applying for jobs, but in the height of COVID in 2020, I had no idea what I was going to do. And so, yeah, I, like I said, I gave my keys that last Sunday and they prayed for me and I just walked out the door. And since then that pastor and I have talked, we've had dinner, but like that church was super toxic. And it was unhealthy because th- there was just so many different things that I wasn't seeing, like from the outside looking in. And then, you know, I just kind of transitioned into the next ministry role that was available to me. And I, you know, I went through the motions. I did my job. I did it well, like, but it was hard because I was micromanaged and I wasn't like free to do anything. And I, I just 
felt right off the bat that I not not that I made a mistake because I wouldn't change anything that I did for anything, but like um it was very, very trying for me. Like, but again, all that to say the point point of the matter is that like we, you know, we knew that God was in it and God was gonna bring us through it. And it was, you know, it was tough. And like even, you know, taking it back to being a kid, being a pastor's kid, like transitioning from one ministry ministry to another, you're like basically uprooted. Your your life is uprooted. It's very much to like a military, right? My wife's dad is in the military, my father-in-law. And they moved a lot. She moved a lot as a kid. And so we have very, very similar, you know, childhoods in the respect that we moved a lot. So, but like all I'd say, you're moving and you're uprooting your life, you're uprooting your kids' lives. And, and, and thankfully, Jordan, you're, you know, you got a two-year-old, so he's probably not even going to remember the fact that he moved from Ohio to Oklahoma. Um, he won't recognize that he's a Buckeye. He'll be like, I'm an Oklahoma. Yes. Yes. So, you know, all that to say, like, you know, transitions are hard and let's take it, let's take it a step further. Like, unless Scott, did you have anything to say about that or add to that? No, no, not at all. You guys are good. <laughs> yeah. Well, Scott, again, Scott finished a youth convention yesterday, so he's probably taking a sneeze in his chair. Um, <laughs> talk, let's talk a little bit about transitions in ministry and leaving on good terms. Like Jordan and I, you just, you and I talked just briefly about, you know, not leaving on so good terms, but like, um, leaving on good terms versus leaving in bad terms, like the relationships that you build with people, the mm-hmm. relationships that you uh, foster with, with people that like basically become your, your surrogate family, because, you know, your family may be in another area. Like my dad's in Pennsylvania, Jordan, your dad's in Kentucky, like their pastors elsewhere. And like, so this is our family's, you know, quote unquote, you know, family, like um, speak into that a little bit. The one thing that I've learned, uh, is that your friends will be your friends regardless of whether you're serving in that ministry or not. And I will, I'm here to say that every church I've pastored, I still talk to some people from each of those ministry opportunities. And it's been great. Like we're still friends, like the church building, the church that's the church that you've worked at does not define the calling and the friendships and the relationships that you build in those places. The broken ones are a different story, but the true people that are your true friends will still be your friends. So Scott, talk about like, you know, relationships and transitions, you know? Yeah. So transitions. Wow. That's a great, that's a great topic because, you know, when I think about it's, it's hard to always gauge transitions. I think that there are some ministries where you can clearly tell the transition from this ministry, um, from being in this ministry and out of that particular ministry, you know, are either good or either bad. Um, and I think, but then I think there's also some transitions where it's kind of indifferent in some ways, there's some good and there's some bad. Um, and, and just kind of, you know, just to kind of paint that picture, you know, when I left the camp ministry, good terms, when I left the counseling agency, I worked at good terms when I was doing interim stuff. And especially, uh, the church I was working at as an interim before they got their, before I left for to, to uh, be, the lead pastor of a church in Ohio, I left on good terms with them. Actually, the person that that they gave the their a new pastor, like I was still there. They said, "Hey, can he speak?" I said, "Yeah," and I was there and I supported the guy. And actually, that same guy, he's working on his doctorate at the same school I am. So me and I told him, like, because he, he even said, you know, he thought that he wasn't a good pastor because that church ended up closing. 
Um, and I told him, I said, dude, I thought you did a great job just from the outside looking in. I think you were doing a lot more for that church than I think any other pastor at that church had done and just really kind of gave him the encouragement that he needed. Um, when I was in Ohio, left on good terms, went to Virginia. And then when I left Virginia, the church in Virginia, I believe that for some people I left on good terms. And I think for some people it wasn't so good. Um, and it, it, so it was indifferent and it's, and the way I kind of picture that is I say that, um, you know, it really goes back to how does one view relationships? And I always kept telling my leadership teams, I always tell people relationships are two-way streets. Um, because if you love people and they love you back, then that's good. And there's been a lot of times where, like, even now, like, I still have contact with people from the church I pastored in Ohio. Uh, even just last year, like the former or the treasurer of the church reached out to me, just kind of let me know how things are going at the church. Thanked me, said, you know, all the changes you made and all the stuff you did for us has really helped us a lot. And, and I don't think a lot of people really recognized all the hard work you did. And this was like right when I was walking out the door of the other church. So it was like, great. You know, the the impact I made in this church in Ohio still continues to have a ripple effect of great things that God's doing in that church to this day from my wisdom and leadership. Um, where when I left, when I left uh, here in Virginia, I had a lot of people say, Oh, we love you. We care for you. You know, we love your kids and, and we care about you. And then since I left, there's been at least two or three families that still reach out to me. Hey, how are you doing? There's one lady particular that when I left was the only lady who wrote birthday cards to my kids and said, Hey, happy birthday, Peter. Happy birthday, Elizabeth. Happy birthday, Laura. And even I got in, even Liz, this year, I got a birthday card from her. And I mean, she didn't have to do it, but I made such an impact in her life. And we still, and actually we're going to go get coffee this Wednesday. So it's like, out of all the people who said, we love you, you know, we, we still want to keep in touch with you. We still want to be able to do things with you since you're still living in the area. And I said, that's great. I would love that. And yet only out of the 50 so families, only three people actually still continue to actually want to continue that relationship. So I think that's always the hard part with ministry transition is you have so many people who say things, but then when it comes to practice, the practice doesn't match, doesn't match what they're saying. And that's why I always say, well, relationships are two-way street. So for me as a pastor, it goes back to, well, did people really care about my ministry? Did they really care about not only about my ministry, but did they really care about me as a human being, as a husband, as a father, when they said they really care about my kids and love my kids, do they really? Because you say you do, but yet you'd never talk to them. You've never tried to send a card. Even during the pandemic, we got, my kids got cards from churches that me and my wife visited when we go on vacation. Hey, we just want to let you know that we love you. We're thinking about you and we're praying for you during this difficult time. And not once from anyone in my church ever sent a card to my kids saying the same exact thing. Well, it's, I think it's a little bit different to you. Um, yeah, absolutely. It is different. Like, like you're still there. 
right? Yeah, like, I'm you still here. Moved. Jordan, however, <laughs> yeah, up, exactly. Like moved from Ohio to Oklahoma. Like I moved from Ohio to North Carolina, North Carolina back to Ohio, and even growing up in a pastor's kid, I was born in Mississippi and lived in Michigan and Kentucky mm-hmm. and Ohio, West Virginia, Indiana. My parents pastored a church in North Dakota, like, and now my dad's in Pennsylvania, but like we've been all over the place. So like taking that a step further, when you're in a ministry position and you go through those transitions, like sometimes it's a blessing because you can be uprooted and moved, Yeah, you know, to another location. Yes. You have to build new relationships and break down those barriers, barriers and trust people and, and build new friendships and relationships, but it helps you get out of that environment. (laughs) If like, for example, it's a toxic place and, you know, community where like, Oh, am I going to bump into so-and-so at the grocery store? And what am I supposed to say in that moment? And like, for me, I'm still, you know, I very much live, I still live 10 minutes away from one of the last churches I pastored. And so Mm -hmm. like we drive by, we go to Menards and I drive by the building, you know, we go to, we go to, you know, Best Buy or wherever. And like, we're still very much in that community, but I still have very good relationships that I left on such good terms with people that yeah. I can still have those conversations, call, text, email, whatever. And even some of the staff members that I've worked with, I still have worked on projects with those people. And I've since been back to that ministry since, you know, the toxic, you know, since, you know, it, you know, for example, like I, I think I went back because they were having some issues with some of their production gear and they mm-hmm. called me and said, would I be willing to come in? And I said, sure, I don't have an issue with that. But like, I also didn't have a, you know, I didn't have a dog in the fight. I didn't have anything to lose. Right. Like at that point I wasn't on the payroll. I wasn't being like judged or like Scott, like what you were saying earlier to Mm -hmm. to our listeners, but like being, you know, questioned on every little move you make, you know, Jordan, what you were saying, like being at the church by eight 59 and clocked in, you know, that was another piece of that church that I told you that I, I, um, was given a new basic, you know, basically a new contract. Like I, they wanted me to keep a timesheet of all my hours and like sign off on it every week. And I was like, this is ridiculous. And like fast forward, you know, that was in 2012, 2013, mm-hmm. something like uh, I was there two years. So 2012 and 13, like fast forward to 2020 when COVID happened, like we we're all working at home. How are they going to justify doing that now? Right. Like, yeah, Jordan, that's, that's kind of an interesting, you know, caveat because, you know, your COVID was still kind of roaring like a lion, so to speak during 21. <laughs> and like, you know what I mean? Like how yeah. are you just to clock in? Like, what if you got sick? What if you didn't, what if, you know, you know, other people, and it's crazy that they just stormed the gates like that and, you know, brought, you know, brought boxes. Oh my gosh. Like, I think that should be a question that I didn't write down. Like what's the craziest <laughs> What's the craziest thing that's happened to you in the, in the heartache of ministry? And Jordan, I think you answered it with your. <laughs> and you and even and even kind of follow up with the with the relationship aspect. You know, even like when I left Ohio and I'm here, like it wasn't like I was sending Christmas cards to everyone back at the church in Ohio. Like, but I think there'd be times where if I was back and I talked to people, you know, they'd be excited to see me. They talked to me they do everything else. And then, and it is different when you're still living in the same area where, or even sometimes I think even in the same state, I know, um, I know Jordan, your dad talked about when he left the church, he was at in Northeast Ohio. And he even was thinking, you know, I'm not going to stay in the same state or do youth stuff in the same state. Cause when I go to youth events, I'm going to be seeing the kids that I used to pastor at and that's going to be rough. But then he ended up 
getting a position down in Southwest Ohio and things were fine, or at least it seemed like things were fine, but I mean, he still, his ministry thrived down there and he was still able to do great stuff and still was able to have those relationships. Cause I know Ryan, like we mentioned, Ryan Garns in this episode, in this episode, and you know, he was one of Jeremy's youth up in Northeast Ohio. And now here he is kind of casually crossing paths with your dad during summer camps and conventions and stuff and still building those relationships. So, you know, there's some good that can happen with that. Um, and well, even I think, in, oh, oh, go ahead. quick, one of the other things is Ryan didn't just leave it at like, Oh, you were my youth pastor and that's it. Dad had such a relationship with guys like Ryan that Ryan even came down and visited us just on a weekend, like him and him and one of the other guys named Jaron, Mm -hmm. Um, both of them came down and visited us one weekend and they just, they were like, Hey, can we just come down and visit? And, and we had those, those times together. And then when he went on to full-time staff, like him and John would come down, there were probably, I can think of like four or five different weekends that I remember that Ryan came and stayed at our house. And that was just because like, we'd known Ryan and, and all that. And that, that was no big deal for us. And it was that relationship. And, and I think dad was afraid of it at, at the beginning, but I think that, when he saw like the impact that he made that he kind of could draw those lines that, Hey, we don't see each other very often, but I can still love on you from afar. And when I do see you. Yeah. 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 And, and even just to kind of talk about relationships and even kind of even healing, you know, there is, I mean, even I, they're joking that I might be sleeping because I just got done hosting a youth convention and, you know, we had it here where I live and, you know, the church sent their teens here and so, you know, and, and I wasn't really nervous about, oh, what's it going to be or how's it going to look or who's coming. But, you know, once I was able to get registration forms and get the T-shirts and saw who was coming, I know one of the individuals um, was someone who, you know, kind of said some not so nice things to me, you know. Um, so. So I was a bit nervous, you know, but. I get there and they show up and do registration. I say hi to the kids. I say hi to both, you know, the leaders that are there and, you know, having very good conversations. We're laughing, we're, we're joking around. And, and at the end, we close everything out and they're leaving. And this gentleman comes and just says, Hey, thank you so much. This was great. It comes and gives me like a big hug. And I started following up with him because his, um, you know, his wife recently passed away and like after like almost a few months after I left and I sent him a card and called and left a message saying, hey, you know, and just talked to him how he is. And I mean, and it was like, you know, things were good. And, you know, and I think, you know, and I think kind of, you know, in hindsight, looking back at what was happening and kind of what caused all the, you know, some of the not those nice things, you know. You can really look back and go, okay, you know, it was just more of a cultural thing. It was more of just kind of the time still being in COVID, um, still dealing with a lot of other, it, more of like issues within the church that are beyond everyone, anyone's control. It was beyond my control, elder board's control, all the ministry team's control. It's like, there's nothing anyone could do to fix it. You know, um, it, it had to be a God thing you know, for anything to get fixed. And at the end, you know, that's no issue or blame or anger that I can hold on to. Cause at the end, other end, I'm able to see 
everything more clearly. It's like when you're in the forest, it's hard to see what's happening in the forest. Once you're out of the forest and you're able to be above it and kind of look back and look down, you're able to see, oh, here were some of the things that, here's why this happened. And even and even more of a self-reflective thing, you know, okay, here are some of the things where I kind of didn't help the situation as well. Um, and, and really look at that and kind of look objectively and say, okay, you know, yeah, there were some things here, there are some things here. And even just that connection, you know, there, there's a healing and reconciliation through that hug and through that laughter and through the handshakes and through the casual conversations where there was no ill will and there was no anger or hate or any long-terming issues that came from that. And even when I left, I never felt that, but I, but it was more of that thing like, Ooh, you know, I don't know because, you know, I don't feel this way about this person, but they may feel differently about me. And you don't know, cause you don't have those conversations. There's not that, you know, there's not that time of reconciliation, but when you are able to have that, it's like, Oh, okay. You know, you know, things are good now. So, you know, that's why I always say relationships are two-way streets. If it's always one-sided, then it's very hard to gauge whether it's a pastor who's been hurt or whether it's a congregant that's been hurt by a pastor or another congregate church leader, you know, there's that thing. So once you're able to have that relationship thing, and that's why I'm always preaching Matthew on how to deal with conflict. It's like, yeah, go to that person privately, because again, just going to that person, it's relational. Having another person come to you, it's relational. And then bring it besides before the church. And we, when we see that, it's almost like, okay, now we're going into trial and we see it as a court case. It's like, well, no, I see it as you're now in a believing community. And now we have an entire community surrounding the situation who's trying to help heal the situation, trying to bring reconciliation to this situation so that once, and if reconciliation can happen then with the the body of Christ surrounding that and loving that and pouring out godly biblical wisdom to that, then that's where healing comes. And even if you, even, even if they do it right and that's the way and the person still doesn't reconcile, then that's when it's like, okay, well, like Paul says, you know, cast them out as if they're an unbeliever. But I think, and this is this may be another topic, so I don't want to get too far off track, but I think when it comes to dealing with church conflict, we do it so business-like and so legalistically that it's not how God has designed how to handle conflict in a kingdom culture. Yeah. Hey, Scott, you, yes. uh, you were talking about just that, that guy that came and hugged you. Yeah, and I, uh-huh. I, it made me think of something. So there's this guy um, that as I was leaving our Ohio church, he said, the reason we're asking you to leave is you're manipulative, divisive. Mm. I mean, he was throwing, throwing words that should not have been used. And I laughed because what you saw that, that kind of that healing um, in August, I mean, it was si- almost six months after we left. I got to have a conversation with him. I actually came out here to Oklahoma, brought my car, did an event, uh, and then went home to go pick up Katie and Ollie and bring them out. And so uh, that Sunday I talked with, or Pastor Steve had had talked about this whole, you know, you got to let some of these things go. You got to like, it's kind of like having a sack of potatoes. Like if you keep carrying it, one, it's getting heavier and heavier because you're you're getting weaker by holding that. But the other side is, you know, it starts getting, uh, the, the potatoes start to get stinky and and then like 
you're you're causing people around you to not want to be near you because you're holding on to this. And so I went to that guy and I just said, you know, I forgive you. Um, you know, I, I don't want there to be any hostility between us. I, I want you to understand that, like, it's OK. Like, I think that you played a part that helped me get to Oklahoma. And I just want to let you know, I forgive you. Like, there there are no strings attached. There's there's no problem. And um, and the dude broke down in tears and he said, that's all I was wanting. And I didn't know how to how to even talk to you about it because I thought you were so mad at me. And I said, mm. I probably would have been had you addressed it right after because of the things that you said, but I want you to know I'm not mad. I think that, that you played a part in a bigger story and you know, it's okay. God, God forgave me. And I, the least I can do is forgive you. And, and I even remember my mom and dad having that same kind of issue uh, when they left their Northeast Ohio church, they went in and, and there was someone who, who slammed them and they were, I mean, they were downright nasty. And I, I talked with my mom yeah, this was a few months ago. I was talking. And I said, you know what, what happened? Like, I thought that they weren't friends with us and, and you, you went and actually saw them when you went up to do a wedding. And then she said, what happened was they found out that we weren't the problem. And along with the same guy, he, he found out we weren't the problem. He just was given information and, and he said what was kind of supposed to be said. And there, there was reconciliation that happened. And, um, I've had a few conversations with this guy and mom and dad with their, their friends, they, uh, we're able to kind of reconcile that. And even when the bad terms happen, when it's that terrible situation that happens, if you can kind of buck up and give it a, the best go that you can leave as on best terms that you physically can, I think that it, it shows like one, it was a bad situation, but it wasn't all on one person. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Like, like that there's a, like that we're willing to reconcile through it that we're willing to, to make things happen. Like there were maybe four people who knew that we were leaving the day that we left. And that's just, I mean, it is what it is. And a lot of people thought we left on good terms. And when they called us and asked, I said, no, it wasn't good terms. Um, I've, I've had probably 20 to 30 conversations with different families and, and they're like, what happened? Because we have no idea. And, and there was actually my favorite, um, Donna, <laughs> Donna is a uh, mama bear for me. And and when she found out, um, she, she raised a, rose a big stunk, uh, out there. And, and she, she was like, she made a big stink about it. And she was like, you know, this, this isn't right. You guys, you guys treated him poorly. And, and he helped carry this church through COVID and, and he's 25. He's, he's still a kid. Like he was yeah. 25, 26 years old when he was doing this. And we had just got the new senior pastor February, right before COVID hit. So he hadn't yeah. even been there a month and a half, two months and COVID hit. And I mean, nobody knew what they were doing. If this was new territory for everybody. And so for us to take on almost all responsible, I mean, I was doing 90% of that guy's work plus the communication stuff. Plus the, uh, I was helping with the children's ministry. I was running the youth program. I was trying to work on some young adult programming. I was, uh, helping out with, I was actually on the, the district board, uh, of Christian education. So like for Springfield camp meeting, like I was over there, there were so many things that I had on my plate and. I was trying to get ordained and all that kind of started to fall apart. And I like a year later, I'm like, it's okay. It's good. Like, yeah. It, and, and to have those conversations coming back, like I could, I could go and hug this guy, like, and not have that problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So, but it just made, when you said that, it made me think about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah, that's, those are all good things. Like I, I, 
yeah try not to get like super sappy and emotional about it but like it's it's a hard thing like mm-hmm. it's you know transitions in ministry are hard like uh but there is hope in that and like something that i was taught early on was that like okay maybe this isn't working right working out right now meaning that the church that you're currently serving and you're transitioning out but there are other people that need you you know jesus needs you to be that advocate for other people and that's yeah. okay so um back to the relationships thing like during 2020 we have two i think of the greatest people in the world uh their names are gus and deanna they uh they have a cleaning business they paint gus is one of the most amazing painters like like if you ever need your home painted or things like that or he paints commercial businesses like they've started a business from the ground up so when uh we were going through this season they knew that we were going through this season and then like you know you slap COVID on top of that like what are you allowed to do what are you not allowed to do but like to this day we've we pretty much had dinner with them every single week like for the last three years they walked us through that season they were going through that season. There was a lot of transitions in that ministry at that time. So yeah, it it's good to have those people in your your corner to help you to 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 walk with you, to cry with you, to hug you, to 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 do that thing. And to Jordan's point, like Mitchell Birch once said this in a sermon, but he said forgiveness is one of the most guttiest things that you can do. Mm-hmm. And people, people, I'll say it again: forgiveness is one of the most guttiest things that you can do. Meaning that like people can be mad, but if you forgive them then that's on them. And to what Jordan was saying, like he, you know, he's like, I forgive you. It's fine. It's all good. I've walked, I've walked through that. I've worked through it. And guess what? It's the ball's in your court. Now, if you want to be free of that, right. Then you're going to be good. Right. Like what, what does scripture say? Like, you know, you repent, you believe, you know, let it go basically. Right. Not the quote of frozen song, but like, just like <laughs> let it go, right? I don't no. know. I've been watching a lot of frozen with Ollie lately. Yeah, you posted that picture the other day, and Ollie was face planted on the on the bed. <laughs> he must have great. he must have really enjoyed Frozen. He was he was done. Um, kind of as we like wrap up our time together, I kind of mm-hmm. want to talk about um, staying in a staying longer in a position than you should in mm. ministry, like and twofold, right? Like what I mean by that is, do you have you stayed longer in a position? than you should as either a lead pastor or an associate pastor. Cause like, you know, we're, we're kind of like the, a, a good hybrid, the three of us, cause we've been to multiple churches and multiple, multiple positions, um, lead pastor, associate pastors, youth pastors, worship pastors that, you know, we've been talking about transitions of ministry and the heartache of ministry, but like twofold, right? One us transitioning. Have we stayed too long in a position of ministry than we should? Should we, you know, have we bowed out gracefully? like we should, or have we stayed longer than we should, right? The other side of that is, have you stayed or been a part of a ministry where another staff member should leave, or you think that they should leave as far as, you know, being released themselves, right? Like, and I'm probably going to like rub some people the wrong way with this, but like, it's, it's Mm -hmm. a conversation needs to be had, right? I've been in, there was one church I served at, the pastor had been there 27 years. 27 years right and like it was just like that's great that's a huge milestone to celebrate however you know you get to kind of be into the rote of things right you get rote meaning you just you just go through the motions you you come in you preach your sermon 
you sometimes hold office hours, sometimes you don't. You can really you can really lax in your profession, right? You just go through the motions of of, of ministry, and like sometimes that stuff passes you by. And I was listening to another podcast this morning, but like guys, the three of us are at very unique ages where like our parents are kind of coming towards the middle to the end of their, their time in ministry, or they're going to retire or they're going to do those things. Or like, we're like, Scott, you and I are in our thirties, Jordan, you're in your mid to late twenties. But like, what does that look like? Have you guys been a part of that? Like, I know, I don't think that I've stayed in a ministry position longer than I should have. I've in most cases have just bowed out gracefully and walked away because I feel like the Lord was releasing me from that. But I've also been in situations where pastors, I, I believe that pastors have, have stayed longer than they should have. And they're not really, you know, seeking out wisdom as, as to transitioning to another role or retiring or, and it's not my call, right? It's not my place to tell people to do that, but it just feels that way. Have you guys been through that? I, I, yeah, I would say, I would say that for me personally, I think every, every position that I have resigned from there had to be at least a wrestling match. Um, There's always a wrestling match for me where it was more of a, how do I, you know, you kind of feel that call to move away, but yet sometimes it's never towards the, it's never really towards like when things are like really bad. It's usually towards when things are kind of good or things, or maybe things may have gotten stagnant. and. I mean, when I left camp ministry, I mean, I wrestled with that for probably about a year. I wrestled with it. Um, that's a great I word, really... Scott. The The word stagnant, that's a great word. And I think, like, I, I want to push back a little bit. But like, yeah, go ahead. The COVID, right? I hate that word. If I never heard that word again, I would be ecstatic, right? But, like, I think COVID pushed churches and pushed leaders and pushed pastors in a direction in a positive way, because there were things that they had never done before. They had to reinvent the wheel. They had to rethink how they were going to do ministry, whether it was going to be online or in person. Could we have people in person? Could we have an online service? Do we have the technology? Do we have the resources? Do we have the things? And like, I think it pushed people in a way that, you know, they got outside of their comfort zone. Right. And so things that were stagnant all of a sudden, what now? Right. Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. I just thought about that. No, no, no. So you know, I wrestle with it and then I made the decision and it was the right decision. Same thing. When I was ready to leave Ohio, I wrestled with it, but we also knew it was a good decision that I didn't wrestle with it too much. Not because I was like, I'm ready to leave, but it was more of, you know, there was, I felt more to do more full-time ministry because I know sometimes, you know, when you're working two other jobs and then you do a ministry job. So three jobs in total, you know, sometimes there's things that you, there are things where I could have did better if I was at full time and really hit my strengths and my stride instead of kind of doing it halfway in some ways. Not that I was forcing it, but I couldn't go do everything that I really needed to do. Plus, we had our first son and it was like and my wife didn't want to have to keep driving an hour and a half to work all the time because that was the only place you could find a job because there's nothing in the Youngstown area for doing legal positions. So um so she had to go to Cleveland. Um, so, and then with, and then Virginia was weird because I felt kind of that push to leave in 2019. Like, and I would say 2019, even though 
if you look at kind of more of the structure of things, things weren't great, but as far as ministry and how the spirit was moving, it was like, it was like a rocket ship. It was, it was going up, but I kind of felt that there was a time that I needed to leave. And it was like, okay. So I'm like looking out there. And then when, you know, the word that you hate, Micah hit COVID, (laughs) um, I kind of felt almost like this calling that I needed to stay and try to get the church through a pandemic because of my skill with video production, my skill with that, I was going to try to do those things to kind of help fix things. And then God was providing. And I mean, I already took a pay cut at the beginning of 2020. um, And there was some other stuff that happened that was not great. And then the pandemic hit like, immediately right after all that stuff happened and it was like i just felt god say stay and try to help them and i did and eventually it got to the point where it's like yeah i'm i need to go and it wasn't necessarily don't look for positions still apply for stuff still look for positions but you know try to stay a little bit longer to try to get everything going and get them out through this pandemic. So once things started to open up more, and I mean, we've had our highs, our peaks and our valleys with COVID, but I think I got to a point where I was at peace thinking, you know, if I left, it'd be okay. Like things would be fine. And I don't have to worry about, you know, everything collapsing because I left or everything collapsing because, you know, because certain team members that are on the team are still kind of making poor decisions on behalf of the church so um so i felt like it was at a good season where i could just simply say okay the pieces are in place everything's good i can now bow out yeah turn what about you uh you know i've seen a few pastors that have have stayed longer um than i think that they should have my my home church that i grew up in i think that there were uh, there, there were some transitions. I think that like there, there was this guy, um, pastor Reynolds, I think he did phenomenal. I think he was there like 22 years and like he did phenomenal. I, I wish he would have stayed longer. I think that he just was, yeah. was great, but he was ready to go. Um, and correct me if I'm wrong. Didn't your dad actually also serve with, with pastor Reynolds? My dad was an associate twice for, for Jerry Reynolds at, at Eaton church, which is kind of the weird connection that we have, but, uh, yeah, my dad was at Eaton twice. He he uh, was associate pastor under Pastor Reynolds at their old building, and then he took a pastorate in Mississippi when I was born. He was the lead pastor in Mississippi for six years, and then he came back to Ohio, and then he was Jerry Reynolds' associate again. Yeah, so so Jerry Reynolds, phenomenal guy. I think that I think the world of Jerry. Um, and then there there were two guys that that followed him uh, with an interim in between, and uh, I think that the first guy that followed it just kind of is what it is. Uh, I don't like the, the way that things happened, but you know, it is what it is. Um, the second guy, he was there for quite some time. And, and I remember there were just some issues that, that kind of were not spoken. Um, there were some people who were like, eh, I'm not real happy with the way things played out, um, with some issues. And, and I think that he stayed a little longer than he should have, uh, not saying that it was terrible, but I think that he could have kind of left a, like a year or two earlier and been like, Hey, it's fine. We're, we're good. Cause he was there. Uh, he got there when I was, I think a freshman. And I think he just left a couple years ago. Um, so he was there almost 10 years. And so 
I think that that's kind of where I sit with that. But like for me personally, I think that I stayed a little long. Um, I think I stayed longer than I should have by a couple months. Um, it wasn't like years or anything like that, but I think even a couple months, I felt God starting to, to tug at my heart in December um, that, hey, I need to start looking. And we, we kind of played it off and we were just like, you know, we'll, we'll kind of wait and see a little bit longer. And, um, and then February, all that stuff happened. But uh, I think that there can be a lot of damage done if you stay too long and you start to, to not hurt the, or if you're, if you're there hurting the church and not helping um, yep. when it's more about you and less about the church and the needs of the church and the needs of the people and the community around you. And, um, and it becomes about a paycheck and your salary. Yeah. It, it becomes that. Yeah. Like we, like what we were talking about earlier. It's, it's the it's whole another conversation. And, yeah. and, and, and I'll, and I'll, and I'll piggyback on that about, you know, longevity, because, you know, when we look at, cause I mean, like Micah, you talked about how you've been at churches, like the most you've been at a church has been four years. Uh, most I've been at a church has been six years and Jordan, the most you've been at a church has been like three years, uh, three and a half, three and a half. And it's weird because when you look at, because anytime when I look at like church leadership or culture things, it's always like, you know, it takes about seven years for a congregation to completely trust the pastor. And this is looking at just lead pastor stuff. And then about 13 years is when you see, kind of a transition in a pastor or a pastor begins to transition, whether it's transition to a new ministry or transition to a new role, or even just transition, have a spiritual transformation where they're gaining more wisdom to be able to have the spiritual strength to continue on doing the same position they're doing. I mean, I have a buddy of mine who's been at the same church for coming close to 30 years. And this guy went from being an associate in the church to being a youth pastor in a church, to being now the executive pastor of a church. And in each of those different various seasons in those last 30 years, um, he still continues to kill it, still continues to do great work, still continues to move on. Um, and it's been great. And I mean, he's worked with some great pastors. He's worked at pastors who've stayed and left at the appropriate time. Some pastors who probably stayed on longer than they should. And some pastors who probably left, you know, way before they should have, like they, they probably should have stayed a little bit more and they just kind of left early just because of poaching or whatever you want to call or, or some, or there's been some circumstances where they had to leave early. Like I knew of a church that their pastors there for two years and they left early because both their parents got really sick and he had to go back to Kansas to go take care of his family. So he had to leave his, he was there for two years and had to go back because no one else was going to, he was the only child. So who was going to look after his parents? So he had to step away. So it was like kind of a early departure than what he could have done because of circumstances beyond his control. Hey, Michael, you're muted. I don't know why I muted that. Um, <laughs> I think I'm getting like a package from Amazon and I keep feeling like the doorbell's going to ring. So like, I keep thinking I hear the doorbell, but okay. <laughs> that's why I keep muting my mic. So, uh, so, you know, guys, we've talked a lot about the heart of good ministry. Um, but the last question I kind of want to leave our listeners with is, has it brought you healing? Right. Mm. And that's a, that's a, that's a broad question, but like, um, 
has it brought you healing? Like have, have transitioned to ministry, you know, brought you healing in a good way. Have it brought you, you know, has it brought you healing? Like, and has that healing allowed you to move forward in your, your next assignment, your next calling, or are you still walking through that? Um, it can be both. Scott, what do you think? So, I mean, so when I left, when I left, when I left in June of last year, uh, I planned to go to a retreat for healing that dealt with pastor woundedness and everything else. So I made sure I was there. Um, it's the same organization where I learned how to do uh, formational prayer. And I know I sent my information to Jordan to kind of help him out with some stuff. So it's the same group of people, the same stuff. So I mean, I've learned on how to do it with people, but I myself have never been through the process of the one being getting the help and getting the healing um, and go walking through that process. So it was great to kind of go anyway, whether it was ministry related or not, just to see, okay, how does this look like in a actual situation? Like if I want to do a retreat, with that being said, I went there and it, and it, and it really helped me open up to a lot of things, some things that I was unaware of about myself and how I handle uh, stressful situations, uh, how I deal with uh, negative self-talk, um, even just kind of the idea. And I think this is kind of mainly key. And this is a big thing I've been learning from healing is identity. Um, because, and I was even sharing this with my wife the other day, uh, yesterday, actually, when I got back from convention, I said, you know, working in ministry for as long as I have, a lot of my identity was built on how much of a hard worker I was. I do great work. I work hard. Uh, when I, when I preach the word of God, it's not something where they hear it and then it's gone, you know, goes in one ear on Sunday morning. And then by Monday it's gone. Like it's something when I preach the word of God and the way I present the word to the congregation, it's something that they think about all week. So, you know, there's certain things like when you think about hard work, the way I study the scriptures and present that to people, the way I do Bible study and you in the way I am creative and the way I really push out into the community and really try to make community connections. You know, there's a lot of these dead things that shape my identity. So then when you hear that for so long and then you go to a place where now they're saying this isn't good enough or or. Or, or you hear like, oh, well, you're being lazy or, or you, you hear these nasty comments about these things that you have prided yourself on. It really begins to take a toll on you. And you really begin to think about, well, am I even, you know, is, is this, and you begin to say, well, is this true? Like, am I lazy? Am I not a hard worker? Am I not doing enough in the community? Am I not doing this? And it wasn't until I went to this thing, it says, well, why is that so important to your identity? Because if our identity is rooted in Jesus Christ, then when somebody says, oh, you're great at this, or you're not so great at the same thing, that doesn't matter because I'm doing what God's calling me to do. I'm doing what I believe God is challenging me to push. And even decisions that I make, you know, if I'm bathing it in prayer. And I'm saying, Lord, how do I proceed in this situation? What's the best course of action? And I'm praying about it. And I say, you know, I believe from what I read in the scriptures and just from my alone time with God, that this is the best course of action. And if someone wants to crap all over it, at the end of the day, that's not a, that's not, has nothing to do with my character because my identity is rooted in Christ. 
And when my identity is rooted in Christ and that becomes the thing, then, you know, the, the, the cheers and jeers of public opinion is not going to push me off the straight and narrow road. And I think one of the blind spots for me in my ministry is that had been a huge issue with me, especially when I came in Virginia and I felt like I had to please people and I had to prove that I was a good pastor. And I mean, even me saying it now, I'm like, dude, I sound so stupid (laughs) saying it, but I mean, it was, it was so much of my identity. And I felt like from the healing standpoint, I am healed from that. And I, and I, and not only am I healed from that, but now it's to that point where even if I'm in this moment of transition in my life, you know, I can go and I can apply to places and I can objectively look at stuff and say, okay, you know, whether I go to a healthy church or if I go back to a church that's kind of semi-healthy, semi-unhealthy, or if I go to a church that I can tell, man, this place is an absolute disaster and I really don't want to be here. But at the same time, if God is saying, hey, I'm going to use you with your skills and your talents and, and I'm going to equip you to go to this place that may not be luxurious because I know that you can do a lot of spiritual healing in this place. And it may be, you could be here for 30 years. You may be here for two years, but you're really going to start ripping out band-aids and you're really going to allow my Holy spirit to heal some of the deep rooted festering wounds in this place. That that's what I'm going to call you to do. And I think this goes back to, you know, if I see this as a career, then yeah, I'm not going to that place. But if I see that as a calling and that's where I feel God is pulling on my heartstrings and leading me and I'm having that wrestling match with God again, I love using that word wrestling match. I feel like that's kind of what it is. It's like, ooh, God, I know you're calling me to go here, but man, I don't want to do this again. Um, if that's what God calls me and he promises that he's going to be there for me. His spirit's going to be there to guide me. He's, he's going to use his spirit through me to really bring healing and reconciliation to some cultural things within the church and to maybe some relational things in the church that I'll serve next. Then, you know, that's what I'm called to do. And if he wants to call me to become a Joel Osteen or Steve Fiertick and have like a super large church or Steve Childs and have a super large church and be there for 30 plus years then, you know, that'd be great. I would love that. If he's called me to transition out of calling, doing church ministry and calling me to do more educational ministry and being a professor somewhere, then I'll do that. If he's called me to be the new head of the church of God and take Jim Lyons place, then I'll do that. (laughs) I saw Mike, I saw your look. Not that I want that. No, but I mean, that's a God, big ask. That's, 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 that's a saying. big ask. But again, I'm not asking for it. And that's the yeah. thing. I'm not asking for that. I don't want that. But if God says, this is what I want you to do, and I feel that pressure to do that, go that route, then I will go that route. Um, and I think that's where I kind of got for most of my healing. You know, my identity in Christ is probably the most important thing that's going to push me forward. And because of my identity in Christ, that's the thing that I have to take care of. And if I'm too busy, neglecting that truth to please people if i'm neglecting that truth to try to be at every single meeting or to have my hand in every single outreach or or growth group or everything else then i'm just going to get burned out i'm just going to get 
Um, I'm just going to get bitter and angry and distraught and tired. I mean, but if my identity is in Christ, then that's what's going to recharge me. That's what's going to keep me, keep my, my eyesight, my spiritual eyesight in clear focus and not get blurried. Yeah. Jordan, what do you think about, uh, it's probably a big question for you because I know you've just kind of transitioned from one to the other ministry wise. Like, have you felt healing? Have you, has there been healing in your life and in your calling and your ministry? Yeah. I, uh, I, I started thinking about this question um, because I, I read it. <laughs> I just, I started to cry a little bit because I I've looked back at the past year and you know, the church in Ohio, that was home. Um, we, we lived right down the road and, and there, there was a lot of heartbreak and, um, we, we decided not to talk to people. Uh, the majority, we actually defriended people because of the contract that we signed as we left that we wouldn't defame the church. We wouldn't, uh, and they wouldn't defame us. Unfortunately they did. And, uh, they broke contract and things like that. And that was really hard, but we decided to take the higher road through that. And through some of the conversations I've had, um, I went through counseling, um, which I'm just going to speak this real quick. If you've not had counseling and you're listening to this, don't feel like you're too man or too woman or like too macho for that. Like counseling is a beautiful, beautiful healing tool. Um, I was able to go through a lot of like unpacking some of that. And I questioned a lot of things and my counselor, like she went in and just was like, Jordan, it's okay to ask these questions. It's okay to work through this. It's okay. Like she helped me. And there were a few sessions where I just sat there and just cried almost the entire session. And, and there was just a lot of healing that happened. And so Mm -hmm. if you're like, you know, counseling's not really my thing. No, 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 no. Don't, don't, don't play it off because if you haven't had it, like there's a lot that can be, be done in a short amount of time. Um, even Scott has, has done some counseling with me, um, just like helping me find, uh, this, this piece called meeting the Lord in a safe place that, that he's designed this, mm-hmm. this process. And he's kind of borrowed, tweaked and still some stuff and, and, and really helped me. And I, I actually practiced that quite a bit. Um, just trying to do some, ment- uh, like just meditation with it. And I feel like this past year it went from. I want to sue this church. I want to, I want to destroy <laughs> them for what they did to me. Because I mean, the, the, the nonsense that they pulled, like, why would you ever want to do that to anybody in the church? Like mm. I just sat back and, and it just, it hurt so bad at, in that time. And a year later, I'm not mad at them. Now the senior pastor who I'm related to, I'm not mad, especially with him going and telling my, my, when they, they asked him, Hey, like, would you hire Jordan Halston? He said, no. Um, like, do not hire this guy. Like, I'm not mad at that. I'm more just frustrated and and saddened that, that 10 years of relationship is gone. That three and a half years of relationship with this church is gone. And, and there, there are some people who just won't talk with me because they believe some of the lies that were said and mm-hmm. that hurts. But like yeah. being here, I, there, there's this, this mentality uh, here in Oklahoma that they've given me. And they said, do you feel valued? Do you feel that we as a church value? You? Do we, do you feel that your worth? Like, do, do you feel your worth here? Because that's what we want. We want to make sure that you're taken care of. If you need the extra time off, do take it. Like, yeah. If you and, need- and- and I don't, I don't want to interrupt real quick, but I think when we went back to performance reviews, I think that if you're going to do a performance review, just that question, do you feel valued by us? And I yeah. think from that co- initial conversation, that could bring up a whole, not only a whole bit of healing, but also if, it, if you're saying no, then it's like, okay, 
what are we as a church doing wrong that you do not feel valued? And then and how make can those we changes. make those changes to help? Mm-hmm. Because because pastoral care is vastly important. Like there are people I, I remember having a conversation at Ohio where I said, you know, I'm I just don't want ever to burn out. Like I don't want that. And someone said, well, Jordan's burning out. He's not even been here a year. And, and I, I just, I, I laid my heart on the table with this, with these people. I said, I'd like that in five years that I can still keep going strong, that I'm not, I'm not burned out by stuff. And so just with, with some of that, that's kind of where we're at. And so it was, it was really cool to, to see some of that and to see that, you know, this is, this is where we're going um, because here they value us. They, they go in and say, Hey, you know, how are you doing? How are, how are you feeling? Um, there, there was a time where I was in a staff meeting and, uh, at the end, my senior pastor comes up to me and says, Hey, I noticed something's off. Are you okay? Um, and to have that, it helped me heal through some things and, and to know that like, it's not fake out here. Um, mm-hmm. and, and at the church, I'm, I'm very blessed and I feel like I've been healing and I've been able to get through some really cool stuff. So yeah, that's, that's, I, I feel like I've been, I feel like I've been able to heal through it. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, kind of, kind of, as we, you know, wind down and wrap our time up, I think that Jordan, you said a, a really uh, key phrase that people don't want to acknowledge, but burnout, right. Mm. Um, I didn't realize how burnout I was on ministry and being a pastor. And <laughs> for somebody who's so young, like I'm not a spring chicken. I mean, like I'm 34 years old, but like, uh, yeah, I the last two ministry places I was at, I was I was starting to build a lot of resentment because of how burned I was, burned out. I'm sorry, burned out because um, I was just going and going and going, and I was trying to impress people, and I was trying to make sure people could see what I could do and bring to the table. And you know, I finally kind of had that come to Jesus meeting with 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 the Lord and with you know my wife, and I was like, it's just not worth my marriage. It's not worth my life. It's not worth my blood pressure. It's not worth, uh, you know, just going, uh, through the motions and like starting to neglect the church all over again. And I'm just like, it's just not worth it. It's not worth it. So like that season, when I said it was, it's probably one of the most fruitful seasons of my ministry. I wasn't technically like a pastor on staff at a church anywhere. Like I was week to week, I was leading worship at different places and I served as an interim here. And I, you know, consulted with this church and I coached that church. And it it was just like, there is something to be said about not being tethered to the local church. And I said that with you guys. I said that with other pastor friends of mine. And like, there's something so fulfilling to go help churches that need it. And um, yeah, I've had a lot of healing in the last two years. I'm not completely healed, but I know that God's working through that. And so, yeah. Um, I guess that's the heartache of ministry. I mean, we could go so many different directions with it, but um, Scott is the co-host. I want to turn it back over to the Thank host. You. I don't know if you have any other wrapped up, you know, uh, any other words or any other. Yeah, I would uh, say, I would say this. I think there's a couple of important things, especially for our listeners who are listening to this, who may kind of be in this transitional page. Maybe um, there's a couple of things like Jordan. I, I love your man. I want to sue them because I think, what happens in ministry is when we get through some of those um, terminalist times, 
we we're, we're not honest with our feelings and we're not honest with our emotions. And I think especially, and I don't necessarily know about like women in ministry. Uh, I can't speak to that, but I know for men in ministry, you know, I grew up in a culture where, you know, I never seen men become emotional or if I yeah. do see men become emotional, it's just anger and anger and anger. And I think a lot of yeah. times, and I was even telling my wife about this, that sometimes, even though she's like, you know, I want you to be honest and true with your feelings. For me, it always comes out as anger and not because I'm angry about stuff, but because there's just so much stuff that I've gotten pushed down. Like even sadness, um, you know, melancholiness, like I, it, it all comes out as anger because it's been compressed to anger. Cause I can't show it. And I think a lot of times when, um, so, you know, so when it comes to the healing process, sometimes if it, if you have to start at a place of like being, um, cathartic and you just need to write, or you need to go to someone who you a hundred percent trust and prefer, prefer, preferably someone outside the church, um, or inside the church environment that you're in and just be like, man, those dirty rotten scoundrels i'm gonna i'm gonna stick it to the man and you know whatever and you have to get that stuff out in order for you to kind of get to that place of going uh-huh okay because again like i think in the thick of it i had to get to that point where i had to be like oh those dirty dogs but then after a while it's like you know i'm able to see the other side of it and i can I, heal from I, that. I would it. i would encourage though that make sure that person is also aware that they need to keep that quiet because exactly. you can, you can work through your feelings. I remember having this conversation, like our tithing was shared and mm. I was mad. And I just I, like, for me just to share and say, you know, I'm frustrated. Like, I can't believe this was shared. And it took me a week. And that following Monday, they came in and were really, really like, Oh, we heard you wanted to rip us a new one. And, and I was like, where'd you hear that from? Because only two people knew. And it was the senior pastor and a board member. And it was the board member who shared, Hey, your tithing was shared. And I, I went to the senior pastor. I said, am I wrong for being mad? And, and that week I was just, I was like, I, I kept to myself. I was very, very frustrated, but I would encourage, like, if you're, if you need that, which I, I think we all need it, we need that sounding board, not to make that a public person that, that can't keep their mouth shut. They need to, exactly. to know the value of the secrecy there. Yeah. Confidentiality is key. Yes. Um, and then, and then I think, you know, just finding wise counsel, like you can, you can talk to a, a trusted person, but there's different between me venting to somebody and feeling better about it. And me going to a counselor who's trying to draw stuff out to help me unpack it. And it's all with that counseling skill. Like, I mean, even Jordan, I, I say counselor, but you know, you talk to me and I have a counseling skill and I can, you know, try to, give you some tools and give you some methods to try. And, you know, if it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't, that's okay. So I think for those of you who are listening, who have been hurt by the church, whether you're a leader, whether, and we didn't really hit the other side of this as far as like, you know, just your average parishioner who may have been hurt by a church, by someone in abuse of power or whatever, you know, I think that's a whole different um, side to the same thing of church hurt. Um, but I think with that being said, that, I think by seeking wise counsel and going healing, and then again, spend time with the Lord and be honest. Like I go back to the book of Jeremiah and Jeremiah was so brutally honest with God about how he was feeling. And he, and, and I mean, there's some verses in there that I think if you were to really highlight them and, and really focus it on 
our modern language today, I think people would be start blushing on how brutally honest and some of the kind of accusations he's making towards God, which are not very flattering of God's character. Um, and I think, you know, God's big enough to handle our complaints. He's, he's, he's big enough to handle our cathartic process. And I think when we can go to him and really just pour out into him, he always gives us his healing. He gives us his grace. He gives us his mercy. And he always gives us the wisdom and insight and is able to reveal things uh, to us and kind of help put things back in the perspective um, and I think that's a key point as well. Um, so that's kind of my concluding thoughts. Anyone else have anything that you want to add to that or? No, I think we've, All right. I think we did it justice. <laughs> All right. Well, justice has been served on this podcast. Guys, thank you so much for listening to us. And again, big thanks to Micah and Jordan for joining me on this episode. I greatly appreciate it. And again, guys, if you like this podcast, please uh, like, share, and subscribe. Give us a five-star review that helps people uh, find like-minded podcasts on um, religion, uh, entertainment, and even psychology. I think these are some great topics that I'm interested in also if you'd like to support specifically support this podcast you can go to my coffee account that is ko-fi.com slash the scott simon podcast uh, you could donate one time you can be a monthly subscriber and by doing that that really helps um, and all the proceeds go to the improvement of this podcast and being able to have um you know multiple people talking like right now, like with uh, Micah Jordan and I, instead of just me and Micah or me and Phil or just me talking to myself. And hopefully you guys are listening to me. All right, guys, thank you so much for listening. I hope you guys have a great week and we'll be out with a new podcast next week. Talk to you guys later. Bye. Mm-hmm.